Ladies and soy boys, welcome to Rage Banquet, a monarchy-themed podcast where we make fun of poor people and call various amphibians godless homosexuals just for living out of wedlock in Williamsburg. <laughs> Today, we've got a very special set of guests, a podcast about my favorite conspiracy truth. Brothers and gentlemen, that's right, it's Travis Moo, Jake Fuckatansky, and Julian Pild. Welcome, fellas. How are you doing? Don't really like a cow joke. Mr. Jones, really big fan. You know, many people don't know just how much work we put into... Shut the fuck up. Boys, it seems like you're here to celebrate some big milestones. You commie trash are finally spokespeople for Gillette, huh? <laughs> you absolute worms. You groveling leech testicles. I'm going to crush you with my tomato-like body by rolling down a hill on you. I'm going to f- We are currently experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Hello? Yes, uh, this is Alexander Jones, and, uh, I've been instructed by my deep state handlers that the Mossad is gonna turn me into Wagyu if I don't read this script verbatim, so here goes. The esteemed and capable QAnon Anonymous hosts Julian, Jake, and Travis. So much for gender equality. What did you say? say? Nothing, nothing. I I said nothing. You are so lucky I cut myself shaving this morning with one of my thousands of knives, or I would kick your ass so bad. I'm holding Julian back right now, but otherwise I'd unleash my incredibly powerful thighs. So, um, these three wanted to thank you, the beloved listener, for making it possible to reach 100,000 plays on SoundCloud and for blasting past the first Patreon milestone. Which means you fellas are going to have to record two podcasts a month starting next week. <laughs> Guys, I, I have a family. What's a, what, what is a podcast? Script says you'd like to thank your Patreon supporters and all of your listeners in general for being so damn wonderful. Uh, there's another thank you on the script. What, what is this, Canada? What, do I have to read this shit? Ah, ah, okay, okay. Ah. <sighs> a big thank you to all of the guests who have helped us grow so far. With a particular thanks to Jordan Ewell, who's done a series of favors for us recently and refuses any payment. What a good guy. That's why I left an upper decker in that gentleman's restroom. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Okay, alright. Oh, Lord above, that hurt. Uh, also, a big thank you to Hassan Piker for dragging the hell out of Julian online. What a loser. Anyways... I'm being told I look like an expired supermarket steak, and there's a one-way ticket to the glue factory with my name on it, courtesy of El Estado Profundo. Thanks for nothing, you cucks. I am 100% behind Q. He's working for the president. He's working for our country. Alien life, uh, like pedophiles, you know, and it just seeks to tie all of that together. Welcome, listeners, to the 24th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Q Proofs episode. We are your hosts, Jake Rakitansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. I am so happy I could punch myself in the face about this episode, listeners. That's how good it's going to be. First, we'll be exploring what the QAnon community calls Q-proofs, things they believe incontrovertibly point to Q actually working in high-level military intelligence and being close to Donald Trump, granting Q insider knowledge when it comes to geopolitics and pretty much any other subject he chooses. Then we will sit cross-legged on the rug and listen to master storyteller Jake. Weave a tale of intrigue and passion. Finally, we've got a history of proofs featuring the everlasting Nostradamus, a.k.a. the Q of the 16th century. But before all that... QAnon News. 
First up, uh, self-professed surrogate for the Trump campaign endorses QAnon. This was first reported by Kyle Matela at Right Wing Watch. Uh, so apparently conspiracy theorist Anne Vandersteel, during an appearance on the live stream Patriot Soapbox, claimed, quote, Q has been preparing a lot of people. This is about preparing your next door neighbor who can give two rats about politics. They may be liberal, but when they hear the fact that Hillary Clinton was doing the horrible things that she was doing that are evidenced on Anthony Weiner's laptop, when they start to find out about that stuff, the disbelief is going to be over the top. So this is uh, based on a baseless conspiracy theory that uh, there was some sort of incriminating video of Hillary Clinton found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Yeah, he has a photo of her in her bikini. <laughs> yeah, this comes from, I, I actually know where this comes from. Yeah. There was a leak to New York Post, I believe, and they wrote a story that essentially came from a quote from somebody in the L LAPD who had claimed to have seen the laptop and said, he, they didn't say anything about like what, was on it, but they said that that police officers were throwing up in the hallways after after viewing the contents of the laptop, the, which led the, to the, the speculation that there the was... The next story after that was just Bat Boy. <laughs> right. yeah. Give me a fucking break. That matches, by the way, every single satanic panic in the history uh, of time where yeah. no one has actually seen it, but everyone knows somebody who has seen it. Yeah. And there's claims that it's making everybody sick. Yeah, it's like the ring. It's like, if you see it... John Podesta will sneak into your room and suck the cum out of All your right. dick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, that sounds like a pretty good one. Uh, but but yeah, no episode premium episode seven with uh, Karen Geyer uh, does explore video nasties and and other forms of this kind of satanic mm -hmm. panic uh, with people claiming to have seen a thing. Okay, sorry. Continue. So, uh, but what what makes this bad is that uh, Anne claimed to be a spokesperson for the Trump 2020 campaign. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and she also claims this on her LinkedIn profile. So. I think we should take her at face value well, and start publishing articles about it. Well, uh, I'm for Vandersteel Trump 2020. Right. And also that name sounds like a toy fascist name. Yeah. How do they always sound that way? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, to be clear, the Trump 2020 campaign has not endorsed her as a spokesperson that I've seen. So she's almost certainly lying. But uh, yeah, I feel like everybody feels like they're they feel like, you know, that that they're, uh, you know, that President Trump is their best buddy. And so, of yeah. course, they're a spokesperson for the 2020 right, campaign. Right. I'm surprised that hasn't become like the three stars in the Twitter profile where yeah. you just say that you're a <laughs> oh, spokesperson yeah, right. for the Trump campaign. Because yeah. why not? Second up, uh, National Popcorn Day, a bus for the QAnon world. Uh, so it seems like every week. Uh, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, is it like the national day to celebrate popcorn? Yes, yes. The national day to celebrate oh delicious, God. buttery, salty popcorn. Mm -hmm. You know what they these people are? They're like the car in Back to the Future. You could feed trash into it, and it still runs. It doesn't matter. Just slip an old banana yeah. peel in there, and the fucking thing will start up. So uh, it seems like every week in the QAnon world, they get their hopes up about a specific date when all the deep state arrests will happen, or maybe the, the announcements of the deep state arrests will happen. And uh, this previous week, it was January 19, and uh, they got their hopes up because of a January 19, 2018 Q drop that said, remember this date. And uh, they also noticed that it was National Popcorn Day. 
and this was uh, and so they connected that to a meme that they like in which they say get your popcorn ready every time they think that something big is about to go down I know. I, and you know what any the f- words they've ever used they just see them again and they're like it's it's on yeah everyone right. everyone does this on both sides it annoys me so much on Twitter when some some shit comes out and it's you know it's a quote unquote bombshell and you just see the gifs of the people eating popcorn like mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is that Michael Jackson in the movie yeah, theater Michael Jackson in the movie that's yeah. the most that's the best one to use if you're gonna use a, a eating popcorn meme and you're gonna try to uh, accuse someone of pedophilia it yeah. works as a double right. whammy right. yeah so um so they hoped for example that trump would say the words uh my fellow americans the storm is upon us during his address on uh, hopefully resolving the government shutdown instead trump proposed a budget deal that everyone hated left and right so uh, even if he does say this shit i mean it would be pretty funny if he said it, because then still nothing would happen, and they would have to go even deeper into cognitive yes. dissonance. Yes, exactly. And they, they would have to say, okay, well, he said the trigger word, so that means it really is for sure happening, even though yeah. there is no physical evidence between him just saying that phrase. Yeah, so but would, what would happen is um, in elderly homes across the nation, people would start food fights. Right, <laughs> yes. I do want to say that I, I really don't love that they have a trigger phrase. My fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. Yeah, they. I, I don't. I. I. That's not the best. Huh? I do genuinely worry that he'll maybe say this one day, and I, I have no idea what's going to happen to the community if he if these words leave his mouth. So I many think, people are going to feel <clears throat> something for the first time in years. I right. think they're probably going to chill. I think it's going to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, like you don't put up a hammock, dude. I think they're going to chill. They're going to be like, oh, tight. Like, this is the sign that we've been waiting oh, for. Oh, good. It's, we're right like, all along. Like, we're right all along. This is the sign that we've been waiting for. Uh-huh. And now we don't have to be like, you know, we've been out sort of like campaigning and, you know, rallying and trying to like spread oh. the word and all this stuff. And here it is. This is, mm. okay, we got the we got the go sign. Like, uh. our work here is done. We get to sit back and enjoy the show, as, no, as Q th- always says. But don't they have like that thing where they have to educate and help the poor liberals who are going to be rounded well, up? Well, liberals will be coming to them. That's yes. That's that's as you how are it's gonna, going to work. You're going to round up all my grandchildren in one room, and they'll be forced to listen to my political opinions. Finally, mm-hmm. it'll be the only legal recourse they have. If you're thirsty, I have a bottle of fifty fifty in the pantry. It's <laughs> my, it might not be carbonated, but it still has the flavor. Next up, uh, we've got a wonderful segment uh, called simply Q Proofs with the legendary and always sexy Travis View. All right. Thank you, Julian. <laughs> so uh, so a question that I have and many other people have for the QAnon community is, why the fuck do you believe this insane horse shit? And, uh, the, people are going to say we're not compassionate again. Yeah, yeah. well, all right. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean... It's, Be best, dude. All right. I'm trying my best. Come but on, man. Come on. Jesus, but, Travis is so problematic. I, 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 you know? I, <laughs> some of it is kind of insane horseshit. I, this, this, this is, gonna, I yes, some of it is. Yes. yes. I don't have any, like says, by old stance, I don't have anything against the people. You're, you're, it's like, I was like, yeah. I, I but you like, hate horse shit. I just hate the horse shit that they happen to believe. You um, think you want to seal attack, off every horse asshole. In yeah, America. Right, exactly. I hate manure. <laughs> You're Biff from Back to the Future. Yes. Right, Second exactly. Back to the Future reference in this episode. Very happy about it. Oh, God. So the reason that they usually offer that they believe this are Q proofs. Q proofs are what they believe is evidence that Q has some advanced knowledge or that Q was somewhere that only someone close to the president could be. Or it could be that just Trump said something that they believe is a reference to Q or a Q drop. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is what it says on QProofs.com. Oh, which because is, of course they have a website. All right. It just, yeah, it just contains a collection of like several QProofs. Examining these proofs provided by Q and President Trump will convince the most skeptical person <laughs> who takes the time to, <laughs> who takes the time to examine them. The proof of Q's legitimacy is undeniable, and the information these drops have yielded is shocking beyond belief. They always like to say like shit like over the top or beyond belief, like yeah. the magnitude of the boom. I, they sell a, it really hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a little Scientology ish. Some of the yeah. some of the language construction yeah, is super I, hyperbolic. It, yeah, yeah, it's very it's very yeah. similar. You know what it is what it is too? It's like Amway. It's like now that you're here and we've closed the doors. Right. You're going to blow your mind right out of your skull. Blow your mind and then take your wallet. They're really, really convinced that these are rock solid. I'm going to give you an example of a Q proof that people in the QAnon community have confronted me with uh, several times. This one is actually featured on QProofs.com. Lest anyone think I'm just cherry picking just an especially bad one. Like what they have, like it's like on the front page. Like, well, it's like it's, it's, it's like, like their it's their like, best guy. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so this Q proof suck. It doesn't c- contain every single Q proof because yeah. there there might be hundreds. It's of the them. staff pick. It's, it's like exactly. It's sort of like yeah. editor's editor's pick. Yeah, editor's, editor's pick. pick. So, okay, okay. They're vouching for it. So, so they've picked this one as worthy okay. of being on the Q proofs.com page. Here we go. So this Q proof is just a graphic, and it shows separate photographs of Presidents Clinton and Bush and Obama during their presidencies, and they're being given jerseys from championships sports teams while they're visiting the White House. And each jersey shows uh, shows the uh, number of their presidency. So Clinton's jersey shows a 42, and Bush's jersey says 43, and Obama's jersey says 44. But it also shows photographs of championship teams presenting Trump with jerseys. But instead of uh, the presidential number, 45, they have the number 17 on them. And of course, 17 is special in the QAnon world because Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. And so they're basically arguing that since Trump received a special 17 jersey in lieu of the normal presidential number uh, jersey, that's a signal that he's down with Q. And full disclosure, what I remember when this when this first got released on the internet, and it totally red-pilled me. No <laughs> Which fucking Which is way. so fucking funny. Jake, did you check the last two digits of the year? <laughs> yes. At the time? No, because no. I, looked, okay. I looked into it enough yeah. to see... That the other jerseys were the were the forty five, and then I re- I read later on that it was seventeen because um, the forty five was like a number that was taken by somebody on the team or or something like that. I think it's just the year, Jake, two thousand seventeen. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. So. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. Dude, uh, the best part is that Q was moved to the 18th number in the alphabet in 2018. And that now, it turns out, Q is the 19th number in the alphabet, the 19th letter. (laughs) Q is actually... (laughs) S. I'm still laughing laughing because you were like, yeah, 45 was taken. Yeah, live... (laughs) Live, re- a live red pill and un and unread pill. Uh, all right, sorry. Go on, Travis. <laughs> so, of course, there are lots and lots of problems with this. Uh, for example, it's not true that prior presidents only received jerseys with their presidential number on them. Right now, if you Google image search the words Obama jersey, 
you can see Obama holding a jersey with 13 on it for 2013. Mm, classic Travis View cherry picking. Yeah, or like 13 because <laughs> he's the unluckiest president because he's going to. That's right. Get... Of course, yeah. Another problem is that uh, Trump 44 was... was taken. 44 was taken. <laughs> 44 was taken by. Uh... Another problem is that Trump wasn't being given jersey was with the number 17 on them because of Q. The 17 obviously stood for 2017. That is not obvious. I the, resent okay, that. Okay. Yeah. The year that the presenting teams <laughs> won their championships, like the San Francisco Giants gave Trump a jersey with the uh, 17 on them because they won the tw 2017 World Series. This is kind of disturbing because it's like, it's not about Trump. Like, yeah. how dare they do make the number about them and yeah. their victory? Yeah. Fucking praise him. And yet another problem with this Q proof is that uh, Trump has been presented with jerseys that have the number 45 on them and 717. Again, if you type two words in the Google image search right now, Trump jersey, you could see a picture of Trump holding a Green Bay Packers jersey with the number 45 on the back of he it. He would. So... So really, <laughs> even though they think this jersey business is really convincing, it is wrong and confused on every single level. Broadly, I just want to say that Q-proofs are dumb for three reasons. All right, Number one, Q-proofs are pointless because if QAnon was true, then these vague coded Q-proofs would be unnecessary. Number two, they always fall apart when exposed to the slightest bit of scrutiny. Number three, and even if they were true, they almost never demonstrate the central claims of QAnon. All right, so that to that first point, it would be trivially easy for Q to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, at the very least, that Q has inside information about what Trump does or is going to do. For example, uh, like pretend a Q drop said, tomorrow at 11 a.m., Trump will tweet Chuck Schumer, more like Cuck Schumer. <laughs> Which he, he fucking would. Yeah. And then at the next day at 11 a.m., tweeted those exact words. I would have to confess that the only explanation for that Q drop and that tweet was that Q had some inside White House information. But that no one knows what Trump is going to tweet. Even probably his wife and closest aides don't. Probably. I think he doesn't know sometimes yeah, really. what he's going to tweet. I think sometimes he's... Oh my God, I just pictured Trump sitting in his typewriter typing out all the misspellings on purpose, just preparing for tomorrow's tweets. Yeah, I, I, I think it just... <laughs> I think that he's an artist, man, and that sometimes exactly, it, right, just, right. Yeah. it fucking comes out. It's just... Just a slip of the fingertips. He steps up to the canvas, and he doesn't know what's going to come out of that genius paintbrush. No, I don't think he does. They're just never, ever that clear. Uh, these Q-proofs, they're always dependent on making complex connections between timestamps on Q-drops or tweets, unclear photographs, or just the weird, meaningless things that Trump says and does. Really, if, if Q-proofs were convincing, you wouldn't need the dozens or hundreds of Q-proofs that they've made. You'd only need one. 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 So, like, the one you said with the tweet or whatever? Yeah. Then I think that, yeah, that would be, that would, that would be like, oh, cl then clearly if, 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 yes, if he actually, if, Q predicted clearly exactly what Trump was going to tweet and at what time. What other explanation would be that? I think Q had some inside information. Right. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. The, I never really thought about it that yeah, way. Yeah, or that he was just an aide with, who had access to the draft. Yes. yes. Why, yes. why all that, of these? Uh, yeah. Even that wouldn't prove it for me. See, that brings me to my third point. They often acknowledge uh, uh, how weak these individual proofs are, but still count them as sort of like a strange coincidence. Mm. You know? Yeah, like, and then it's like, how many coincidences? That's the question. Yeah, right? yeah. Q, Q often says this. 
How many coincidences until it's mathematically impossible? They always say mathematically impossible, but they never actually do math. They never give me like a specific number, you know. But so, also, like, does math even deal with coincidence? I know it's, it's it's a completely yeah. I, I don't I, think it really does. I, that. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. it does either. <laughs> yes, but I think the implication here is that a bunch of like weak proofs somehow add up to a strong convincing proofs. A thousand bad reasons to believe something don't add up to one good reason to believe something. To, to that second point, like I showed with that Trump jersey proof. They always take like a tiny amount of effort and comprehension to debunk. Like I'm always baffled by how flimsy these things are. And the third thing about these Q proofs is that even if I were to accept them as legitimate, at best they prove that Q has some sort of inside information about the Trump White House. They never have a Q proof that even attempts to prove that there is like a secret worldwide cabal of pedivores and that Trump is somehow doing battle with them or that Hillary Clinton is on the verge of being sent to Gitmo. Q proofs like never point to like something like real and meaty, you know, like with the uh, like with the presidential jersey proof. Hypothetically, if the only possible explanation for Trump getting that 17 jersey was that it's referencing QAnon, that doesn't prove any of the major claims of QAnon. It wouldn't even prove that the people behind Q are actually close to Trump. At best, it proves that the Trump White House knows about QAnon is trying to signal to the QAnon community. But if that's true, that doesn't prove the central. QAnon claims about mass arrests and the secret cabal. They act like, you know, if, if I accept the Jersey business, then like all the crazy things about Gitmo and 70,000 sealed indictments, then that's all factual too. But that's not how it works. Right. If you can concede that Q is uh, close to Trump in some shape or form, that, okay, well, that knowledge alone signifies that everything else he's saying is true. Yes, yes. And that's obviously not true at all. In fact, you know, it might be the case that, uh, you know, Q actually is maybe like uh, Dan Scavino or something, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean everything in the, that's believed by the QAnon community is true, too. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, if they're, if they're all such garbage, why do they find them so convincing? Well, it's because the QAnon community think that only they have the super high IQs necessary to comprehend them. So uh, on January 7th, 2018, uh, Q linked to a post by some 8chan Anon talking about why they think only 8chan Anons are able to understand all these secret codes. And uh, this Anon's post said this. It's perfect. Plausible deniability to the world, yet ultimate confirmation to us. The timing between the <laughs> tweets, the missing replaced letters, this isn't a game. Trump himself is speaking to us. I mean, we are the autistic-fueled engine the world needs right now, and I feel honored to be a part of this. Again, I'm going to have to say that Back to the Future reference, It's they're calling themselves an engine. They're running on fucking garbage. <laughs> So, yeah, that phrase, plausible deniability to the world, yet ultimate confirmation to us. Us, the so only funny. super geniuses who can comprehend this coded information. So that really encapsulates why they think Q proofs are so convincing to the QAnon community and nobody else. They think that they see the airtight validity of these things, not because they are deeply confused people who are allowing their confirmation bias and wishful thinking to allow them to see things that just aren't there, but because they're the only ones smart enough to understand the Q proofs. So, yeah, this, this leads to an interesting and completely incoherent way 
that uh, QAnon followers think about Q proofs. So people in the QAnon community simultaneously believe that Q proofs are undeniable, but also allow for plausible deniability. Just to give you an example, uh, I got into an argument in uh, September of 2018 with a QAnon believer on Twitter who was convinced that a Q drop that included the phrase DEFCON 1 predicted the uh, false alarm missile alert that spooked Hawaii in, in January of 2018. A lot of Q Which was a mistake. Yes, yeah. And yeah. also inconsequential. Right. So, even, like, the, again, it's this thing of, like, even if they're 100% true, they predicted what? A fucking error? I disagree. Yeah, I think I think I think this one. I think you need. I I don't think you can accidentally hit the missile launch button. I think that that kind of thing has to go through. You didn't hit the missile launch button. The fucking security system got. it's like the the smoke alarm in the building. That doesn't mean there's a fire. I mean, look, knowing absolutely nothing about how that system works, (laughs) I can confidently I can confidently say that Uh I would imagine it has to go through at least three people to send out that kind of warning. You. You can definitely confidently say that you imagine that. Okay. Yeah, a, a lot of Q proofs are like this. They'll find some sort of vague cryptic phrase that Q said and then later decide it's connected to some major news event. So this is what I said to this guy. Uh, These don't show anything. DEFCON 1 isn't a prediction. It's vague. It's only given meaning after the fact. This is a prediction. Quote, there will be a false missile alert in Hawaii on January 13th. But Q will never make a clear prediction like that because it would ruin the scam. And the person I was arguing with came back at me to say, do you understand the need for plausible deniability? How direct confirmation would blow cover? Q depends on the power of weaponized autism to put together the puzzles together. Okay. (laughs) All right, maybe I'll just... I have to clean this whole thing up for no, you. No, no, no. You, 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 I love that. No, no you can't. This. Don't fix we this fucking, man's language. We fucking keep this All right. shit. Uh, full, full disclosure, we already hid one of these. We're <laughs> right. not going to hide a second. All right. How many coincidences do you need? So oh, why, did he, why quote coincidences? Is that a word that someone said? Is that a quote? Yes, yes. <laughs> someone yeah, else said coincidences Q, once. Q, Q has said coincidences yeah many times yeah also popcorn's a trigger word i know yeah all these words are different now right just just a side note my major contribution to journalism is that i'm the first and so far the only person in the history to use the phrase weaponized autism in the washington post article and that's why you've been doxxed humiliated and you'll never get a job again (laughs) it's a disgusting ableist statement (laughs) so this whole thing, this whole way of thinking is incoherent. Something can't simultaneously be an airtight, undeniable proof and also have plausible deniability. It's either undeniable or plausibly deniable, and it can't be both. If you're going to tell me that a Q proof is plausibly deniable, then I'm going to deny it. And you can't really complain because you just told me I have plausible reason to deny it. So true. Yeah. This isn't at all uh, Travis fighting a pillow in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes, uh, sometimes Q proofs are literally based on nothing besides poor reading skills. So uh, I'll give you another example. This one is also from QProofs.com. And uh, this one has a screenshot of a, of a Q drop and also a screenshot from uh, the Department of Justice Inspector General report. And it says, quote, Q disclosed 13 individuals exchanging illegal and unsafe email communications in January, nearly five months before the Inspector General report was released in June. Included in the Inspector General report is testimony pointing to 13 Obama officials using private emails and pseudonyms. Uh So 
like like with the jersey proof, there are tons of problems with this. And so let's start with uh, the Q proof claim that, quote, 13 Obama officials use private emails in the actual inspector general report. And this is included and underlined in the Q proof image I'm looking at. It says, quote, former President Barack Obama was one of the 13 individuals with whom Clinton had direct contact using her ClintonEmail.com account. So that is saying that Clinton was in contact. Wait, with- wait. Clinton used an email. Clinton used ClintonEmail.com. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think we found the crime. Yes. Well, She's yeah, a okay. fucking boomer. Yes. <laughs> she included email in a URL. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, she's a fucking evil spy. But that is saying that Clinton was in contact with 13 individuals, including Obama, with her with her private email account. It does not say that Obama or any of the other 12 people Clinton contacted also used private email addresses. So already the entire basis of this Q-proof is, is poor reading comprehension. You don't even need to do any additional research in order to debunk it. Literally all the materials you need to debunk it are in the contact of the Inspector General report, which is included in the Q-proof's graphic that's being offered up as a proof. You're saying the proof is also the disproof. Yes, yes, yes. You could, that's you could, amazing. You could, yeah, debunk it using the materials from the Q-proof just by reading and understanding. That's all you need to do. It's oh my God, maybe, God nuts. maybe the Q is just the letter that best represents someone folded over themselves sucking their own penis. Right. Just like Marilyn Manson. Just like him. So <laughs> original Satanist. So it's funny, a QAnon believer on Twitter confronted me with this particular Q proof. And uh, and it, it led to a long, long back and forth. Uh, apparently, it got some attention on the on the Discord server because I kept having to explain that the IG report does not say that 13 people used private email accounts. And this this person I was speaking with just was unable to grasp that fact that their Inspectoral General report does not say that. And they kept getting angry at me. They called me like low IQ Travis, you know, despite the fact that all I was doing was explaining to them what's in the report. <laughs> Yeah, people were worried uh, about you. The community's worried. Yeah, I They're saw like, that. he's going deep. Like, he just keeps <laughs> answering this person. Okay. Yeah. You're like, are we going to lose our boy? <laughs> <laughs> Not to red pilling, but like the other type of red pilling where you just become filled with rage and all you see is red. Yeah. Right. I refuse to get mad online, only on the podcast. So <laughs> there's also photographic proofs. Now, so sometimes Q proofs come in the form of like photographs that Q publishes and Q drops. And probably the most famous example of this is when Q tried to claim they posted a photograph from inside of Air Force One. And uh, this, uh, the, 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 the actual photograph was, it looks like a lamp that's on Air Force One with an, ample, with an Apple logo superimposed on it. And the image file name is welcomeaboard.jpg. And Q was trying to imply that the photo was taken from the reflection on the back of an iPhone. The problem is that it was later discovered that this image actually came from an ABC News photograph from inside Air Force One taken during the Obama administration. And someone on HN actually uh, pointed this out. They overlaid Q's image on top of the ABC News image and said, welcome aboard.jpg is a lie. Q actually responded. Drag that man. Destroy him and his family. (laughs) Uh, Q responded to this, but uh, not very convincingly. So uh, in a Q drop, uh, Q said this. Who would have thought the Twitter phone could be so useful? Do reflections violate NatSec rules? Where must one be located in order to obtain a reflection on the back of a phone of that image? 
image provided here has been distorted, stretched. Q. Is he claiming, he's claiming that you can get around rules about classification and like secret stuff by just shooting it through a mirror? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems like a pretty big loophole. Be like, oh, you can't take a picture of a classified document. Well, if you take a picture yeah. of a mirror Listen, of a classified document, you can't touch we it. don't carry you, any mirrors with us, we use the shiny reflective surfaces from our magazine phones. It is entirely illegal to uh, take upskirt photos of my grandchildren's friends at their soccer practice. However, However if I put a mirror on my shoe... It is entirely legal. To yeah, make. dudes, it's fucking. You guys are morons. It's like, <laughs> it's like what you know how um in the in that in that Roman myth um yep go with ahead Medusa mm-hmm. yeah go ahead yeah. oh that's a Roman myth for sure yep or Greek nope nope Greek. definitely Roman you got it right the first time go on I sense I sense a bit <laughs> of condescension in your voice you arrogant prick no it's Greek yep. It's Greek. Yeah. And when you look at her regularly, um, you turn to stone. Right. But if you look at her through a mirror, yeah. you don't. What do you, so you just see her? You can just see her. That's how mirror. all that's how all the sculptors must have done it. Because they, yeah. they clearly sculpted her. Yeah, I learned this uh from a early uh two thousands film called Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. I mean, you've made this up. No, that's a real that's a real movie. Okay. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Okay. I think that's what it was called. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of a lot of you stuff. You better to not go edit on. that out. Fans, we have a lot of stuff to go on here. Okay. 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 So I, I looked at like like four Q proofs, but there are there are like dozens of these and like probably hundreds actually. And uh, we might go through more in the future episode, but basically all Q proofs are as dumb as the ones that I looked at. So, like I said, even if they were good, even if they were good, they would prove nothing. So, um, so, but the thing is, is that they always take like a little bit of effort to prove that they're dumb and they, they kind of rely on this. So the people who present these proofs, they're kind of relying on the confidence game. So a Q believer might present the proof and then put on the show how rock solid and undeniable it is. And they hope quite reasonably that you don't degrade yourself by making the minimal amount of effort required to show why it's wrong. Like low IQ people. Like low IQ people. Yeah, low IQ Travis. Yeah, so I, I yeah, it's like most people decline to do that, I, but I, I don't. I guess I'm a masochist or something. But. <laughs> so, it, and if you do bother to debunk it, then they'll just toss it in the garbage and present you with a new one. They're all disposable. And, um, and then you have to choose whether to waste your time debunking it again. It's just over and over and over again. It's just, it's just a waste of time. And Yet you get on that hamster wheel every day. Exactly. I know. I had something wrong with me. <laughs> But they, this, this, sort of, this is relying really on an argumentative technique called the Gish Gallop. And uh, the Gish Gallop was named after the creationist Dwayne Gish. Unfortunate name. Yeah. And he used to debate scientists in the 70s and 80s, arguing that for the proposition that evolution and old age of the earth were false. And he, he basically, what he did is when he was ter- his turn to debate, he would just throw out as many arguments as he could in his time. So many, in fact, that the scientists were unable to respond to all of them during their time. And because, you know, the thing is that it's just easier to spew bullshit than it is to explain why it's bullshit. 
But to an audience watching who might not be educated in these matters, it might look like the scientists didn't respond to all of the convincing arguments that this creation has presented. That's right. That's basically what Q-proofs are. They're not actually supposed to be good and logical and coherent. They're just supposed to be numerous and exhausting and sort of superficially convincing. And of course, they're designed to make the QAnon believer think that they're somehow justified in their belief, despite the fact that these Q proofs are basically worthless. Well, thank you, Travis, for doing all that work uh, and getting so angry on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, it's my pleasure. He's red faced. He's furious. It, it's, it, this is just really, really baffling. I like. It's like I. <laughs> It's, it's, it's so it's so weird when like people get angry with the Q believers. They get angry at me for just explaining like simple facts. I feel like they're k- killing the messenger, really. Yeah, man. Will facts one day win? We all hope so for uh, the health of Travis in the long run. Next up, we have Q proof story time featuring our favorite Jake Rockatansky. Full disclosure: I wrote this um, while I was. <laughs> pretty drunk and um but i still stand by all my research gather round all my children for i have a tale to tell a tale of mystery intrigue and the bizarre our story tonight focuses on the struggle between good and evil and how a professional race car driver, oh my god and how a professional race car driver turned lawyer to the stars became the illicit target of a highly specialized military intelligence operation and the JPEG from Top Gun that started it all. <laughs> While I wouldn't call it a proof necessarily, what follows is my favorite and perhaps the only instance of any member of the Q team caught out in broad daylight. It all began with a seemingly lame tweet from Michael Avenatti, a guy I would ne- <laughs> a guy I would definitely never have gotten along with at any point in my entire life. <laughs> the tweet is a screen grab from Top Gun. Uh, the uh, aerial gun. <laughs> You're actually about to, to explain what Top Gun is? The tweet is a screen grab from Top Gun, the 1986 aerial combat movie starring action film legend Tom Cruise. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Along with the picture, which is of a, a plane uh, with a target over it, was the accompanying text. This week promises to be very interesting. Might want to follow my Insta handle. First off, what a thirsty bitch. <laughs> Second, we'll come back to this tweet later after we fill in some of the blanks. Q quoted the former tweet from Michael Avenatti along with this image. Um, And this is an image of what looks like a, a ballistic missile shooting out into the air. The picture was taken off Whidbay Island near Puget Sound by at Skunk Bay Weather, who has a camera setup that takes pictures every 40 seconds with a 20 second exposure. He tweeted, My goodnight cam picked up what appears to be a large missile launch on Whidbay Island Sunday AM. I sat on it for a while after sharing with Cliff Mass. He did a blog on it. Any links to that shit? I love to do a blog on it. Uh, Friend of the show and uh, middle of the Q-Man centipede, Mike Rothschild, wrote a pretty fair article examining what the picture could actually be of. But you can count on him for facts and shit because I'm going to tell it my way. He did it his way. Whidbey Island is shrouded in mystery. There are multiple naval bases. And not just any naval bases, I'm talking nuclear submarines. Look, this shit is real. My girlfriend's brother is a nuclear submarine engineer, and even though he couldn't tell me anything about them whatsoever, and was slightly threatening towards me, (laughs) I'm pretty certain that they actually exist. Q is obsessed with nuclear subs. He's constantly making references to the hunt for the Red October. The 1990... What was I fucking doing? The 1990 film starring screen legend Sean Connery. (laughs) About a nuclear sub gone rogue. 
cue indicates that what's taking place in the picture is a missile fired from a nuclear submarine under deep state control. The target? Air Force One. As President Trump admired the view from the plane, he thought to himself, what am I doing here? <laughs> An, let me, Who are these people? <laughs> An aide set a fresh Diet Coke on a small table in front of his seat, along with a glass of ice. No ice, snapped the president, waving her away. An alarm goes off. Red lights start flashing, casting a nightmarish glare on the worn, sagging faces of the plane's occupants. A Secret Service member grabs the president. Sir, there's been a rogue missile fired from Red October. We need to prep the parachute now. The president looked slightly unsure as two Secret Service members stuffed him into an ill-fitting flight suit. <laughs> <laughs> Two F-16s scream by the president's jet, scrambling furiously to intercept the ballistic missile with a classified special weapons package. Secret Service gets the call. Missile destroyed. The whole plane erupts into cheers. No, please, read the next part. Okay, we lost All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, hold on. <laughs> then I wrote <laughs> Oh fuck you You're fucking fired <laughs> Okay sorry The whole plane erupts into cheers Jared takes a long <laughs> Jared takes a long slow pull Off of his jewel I don't know why I think that's so funny It's just a reference to you That's why you like it that, That's what Jake does He uses the jewel <sighs> Jake is literally, again, <laughs> fucking crying. He's wiping tears from his fucking dumb face. This fucking, this co-host, this useless co-host, this, abs this absolute coat hanger that I take out of my closet for every episode and just sit on the yeah. table. I should write things while I'm drunk. Who could have orchestrated? Who could have orchestrated such a hit? Did the deep state really have the power to hijack one of the world's most powerful weapons to take out a president whose opinions just so happened to be different from theirs? If they did, who knew about it? Now, if you'll recall, at the beginning of all this, I said we'd come back to Michael Avenatti's original tweet, the one with the image from Top Gun of the plane in the crosshairs. Now, just, just for one second, uh, Trump ma makes like 18 tweets when someone says a bad word about him. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't think that he would have tweeted about like an attempt on his fucking life. It's the same thing with that stupid Christmas lighting tree thing where they thought they, they so there was a red dot on him and they thought that a sniper almost killed him. Right. Like Trump complains about minor slights. So this is the tweet where Avenatti tweets the picture of the plane. He says, this week promises to be very interesting. Might want to follow my Insta handle. So Michael Avenatti not only knew about Air Force One and the missile destined to blow it into a million pieces, but he uses this unspeakable evil to advertise his Instagram. He had to be stopped. Also, fucking thirst level 100 if you're using the murder of a sitting president to get more follows. And then I wrote, you piece of shit, Avenatti. <laughs> On July 29th, 2018, Q posted what appeared to be cell phone images of the outside of Michael Avenatti's office. The same day, he also posted, who is the real Michael Avenatti? I decided to find out. Michael Avenatti is a professional race car driver. I'm not kidding. He's had over like 30 professional races, which is absolutely insane. Anyway, he went to George Washington University Law School. 
and then I wrote, and I'll bet at night he imagines how proud George Washington would be if he could see him now. <laughs> Anyways, one interesting thing is that in college, he worked alongside Professor Jonathan Turley on a constitutional issues relating to the Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is uh, an odd coincidence. During law school and after, he worked for an opposition research firm run by none other than Chicago gangster and sometimes mayor Rahm Emanuel. And then I wrote, tied to Obama much? It's almost like a, a whole generation of politicians were tied to the uh, pre president, <laughs> yeah. the president for eight for eight years. Fortunately for Avenatti, Q only wanted to send him a message that they knew he had prior knowledge to the assassination attempt based on his thirsty-ass tweet. On the same day Q posted the pictures of Avenatti's Long Beach office, he posted this shortly after. And it's a picture of a man um, in kind of a bad toupee, uh, walking away, uh, walking away from that's, a car. That's not a toupee, man. I, don't, I mean, look, I'm, I'm zooming in. This just looks like a, just a looks kind of like borderline between Gen X and Boomer. Yeah. And he's just buff as fuck. He's like, buff he as fuck. He spends a lot of time in the gym, and he has like kind of like expensive looking gray hair, like that. That's like very well coiffed. Right. Um, and the the cues text along with the picture says, "Offices of M A." work on Sunday? Who is supplying the feed? Who is financing? Q. Oh, I think he thinks this guy's a horse. And he's asking, who is supplying <laughs> the feed that feeds this, this big, beautiful horse? It's a big boy. Big, beautiful boy. So the picture is through the reflection of a side view mirror of a man holding what looks like a prison shank in one hand and a cell phone in the other, cautiously looking both ways as he crosses a busy Long Beach street. Yeah, the, the prison shank is 100% keys. Uh, one Anon offered some clarity. Remember, the image is flipped. Why? <laughs> it would appear Q's guys are taking a picture of the bad actor. Think mirror. What if the people in the vehicle are those working on a Sunday at M.A. office? M.A.'s bad actors are the ones supplying the feed. The images have been ripped, taken from their phones. The man in black was the operator who just went and took two photos of Michael Avenatti's office that Q posted moments earlier. Parentheses, phone in hand. Full black attire, plus shades, plus poor facial angle. Nothing there can be used to easily identify the individual, even more so if he's an operator. The above would explain Michael Avenatti shitting bricks and asking the Twitterverse for help. Message sent. No, he, he is a great joke. Twatterverse. The Twatterverse. It's funny. Oh. <clears throat> so funny. So the Anon is referencing this tweet by Michael Nadi. Michael Avenatti. <laughs> Michael, what did I say? Michael Nadi? Oh, yeah. Michael Zanotti. <clears throat> um, and he writes, We are trying to identify the man in this picture. Actually, no, I'm going to give Michael Avenatti this voice. We are trying to. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> oh, I can hear the Patreons <laughs> dropping. Uh, and here's the tweet from Michael Avenatti. We are trying to identify the man in this picture, which was taken outside my office yesterday, Sunday afternoon. Please contact at Newport Beach Police Department if you have any details or observed him. We will not be intimidated into stopping or changing our course. Hashtag basta. One thing I do find interesting, Michael Avenatti posts the exact same picture that Q posted the day before. So either... Avenatti got the picture from a Q drop or from a Q follower who shared the pic that circulated on the internet, or the idea suggested by the Anon that the pictures were stolen by the Q team from the cell phones of Avenatti's goons seems at the very least 
plausible. The real lesson here is that in America, you can be part of a conspiracy to assassinate a sitting president on Air Force One, brag about it on social media, actually get the missile launched from a fucking submarine into the air, and the worst that happens is a middle-aged boomer with a bad toupee shows up at your place of employment, holding a shank, takes a couple of pictures of your office, and then quietly leaves. No suspect was ever arrested in the case. I love this story because it really it really shows the sort of like the the grand drama of QAnon, right? That yeah. It's like they're privy to like this this super incredible you know epic news that no one else knows about. They imagine. Yeah. Every day is a Tom Clancy uh, novel. Yes. Yeah. Every every right. day. I but, mean, but all these photos would be like given shit ratings on world star hip hop. Like there's no good yeah, there's, shit. There's, there's no, no good beef. shit. There's no yeah. good shit. Where the fuck is the street fight? Where's the, I don't know. There's nothing here. Yeah. Where's the, where's the operate? Where's the, like you could just get the back of a buff guy walking away. Yeah. That's it. That's what you have to be terrified of that. And like a blurry missile photo. And, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's my, the thing that really bumps me on this is that like, you know, Okay, so if it's all real and and Avenatti had knowledge of an attack to assassinate the president of the United States via rogue nuclear submarine, like the worst that happens is like a guy shows up, he's like, "Hey, stop trying to kill the president." <laughs> yeah, start hey, talking stop, to. Hi, hey, stop, stop hijacking those nuclear submarine. Shakes, dude. just right. shakes keys yeah, like, at, right. at Michael. <laughs> just, just, just jingles his keys. Bad dog. Yeah, we can give you a warning this time. Next yeah. time I'm hauling you in. Yeah, next, next time, time I'm ta- I'm taking you downtown. We're gonna book you proper, but no more murdering. Okay. Anyways, I'll be on Muscle Beach. <laughs> Drink a muscle milk. Oh man, have you ever tried that stuff? Yeah, it's okay. It, it's fucking. I couldn't believe how rancid it was when I tried it. That's yeah, all right. It I, tastes like fucking battery acid. Yeah, it's all right. I've had I it usually am, I don't exaggerate usually on this kind of shit, but it really tasted like some industrial sewage. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have Nostradamus Proofs with Julian. Nostradamus was not called Nostradamus. His name was Michel de Nostradam, and he was a French physician who is consistently portrayed with a square, blank, white face cradled by a (laughs) massive beard. His family were turncoats, Jewish of origin, but having converted to Catholicism before Michel was born on December 14th, 1503, which uh, is the day after me, and uh, he's a Sagittarius, too. Cool. I hope, uh, hope he doesn't turn out to be uh, a bad person and make me look bad by uh, astrological association, which uh, is on level with Q-proofs. One of my favorite facts about Michel is that he went to the University of Avignon in the south of France, but was forced to leave after the school had an outbreak of the plague. Boy, did the university have egg on its face after that. Michel de Notre-Dame had shit luck. His next bad break came when he was kicked out of the University of Montpellier, where he had hoped to get his doctorate. The reason? He was caught with documents that revealed his side gig as a practicing apothecary. Today's equivalent would be a fentanyl pharmacist. Uh, He was also apparently, quote, slandering doctors. Anyways, Michel got married, had two kids, and then watched all three of his loved ones die of the plague. Again, the man had shit luck. Damn. This radicalized Michel into a part-time plague doctor. And he battled the disease for years. Sounds like a hero, not a grifter, Julian. Yeah. Well, during this time, he invented what he called the, quote, rose pill, which was a lozenge made from part of the flower's bud. He claimed this cured the plague. I looked it up. It's basically vitamin C at best, if even that. 
Apparently, this grifter gave the pill a good reputation by doing a few other things with his patients. For one, he wouldn't bleed them, which was an incredibly common thing during that period. So that already made him stand out amongst the other doctors. Uh, he also changed sheets frequently, aired out the rooms, and disposed of the bodies quickly. This earned him a higher cure rate than other doctors, which he attributed to the rose pill. Mm. So maybe, just maybe, Nostradamus is a grifter. <laughs> Uh, anyways, eventually Michel got married again, and the man clearly fucked a lot because he fathered six children with Anne Ponsard. Unfortunately, they were all murdered using direct energy weapons by the Ottoman deep state of Sultan Suleiman I. What? I'm kidding. His second family was fine. <laughs> and reports of the Ottoman deep state are overblown. I just don't think that our leader, the lawgiver, the magnificent Suleiman I would carry out this kind of awful crime. De Nostradame wrote an almanac in 1550, which is an annual publication that lists a set of events for the year. Nothing too spicy, just weather stuff, farming calendars, the rhythm of the tides, etc. This was a successful endeavor and somehow rapidly slid into astrology as Michel decided to begin predicting things for rich people and making money that way, alongside his now yearly almanac drops. Little French hypebeasts lined up every year to find out what size the logo was going to be on the latest almanac, and even the Queen of France, Catherine de' Medici, of the famed art patronage family, subscribed to Michel's Patreon at the highest tier. <laughs> Things were looking up for old Michel Shitluck de Nostradame. In 1555, he doubled down by publishing his motherfucking masterpiece, Les Prophecies, or The Prophecies, which attempted some pretty grand predictions based on a mix of literature and history. But what I didn't realize before doing this research is that Les Prophecies is actually a collection of poems, specifically quatrains. Now, you're probably asking, what is a quatrain? Well, it's a four-line stanza, often with alternating rhymes. To show you what I mean, I wrote a little quatrain. On summer's day, Jake did drive through a chicken sandwich he did crave. The employee, his name was Q. He red-pilled Jake into his slave. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> Yes, I wrote poetry as a teenager and even in my early 20s. And yes, you should drag me online about it. And yes, there will be more in a moment, you starlet cherubs. In the case of Les Prophecies, though, Michel organized his poems into 10 parts, each containing 100 quatrains. So a French dude published a poetry book. At the time, it received mixed reviews. Then Michel developed gout, which is a particularly painful form of arthritis that makes you swollen and red. By 1566, Michel got so swole that he died. In the multiple centuries since, Michel de Nostradame, or Nostradamus, as the Latin speakers would eventually rename him, has been the source of multiple translations and interpretations by all the bakers out there. Uh, now, bakers in, in the QAnon world are the people who kind of take the drops and, you know, like decipher them or whatever and explain them to, to the rest of the rubes. Um, so the bakers in this case were on and off convinced that he was a real prophet and they claimed that he predicted multiple events that occurred long after his death. But the Travis views of the world, all the skeptical intellectuals in their ivory towers were not so convinced in fact, they claim that all these Nostradamus proofs are nothing but mistranslations and misinterpretations of his original writings retrofitted to look like they were prophetic. That's because um, this ancient form of French, not many people are good at it. It's, you know, a dead language. Mm. So here's another quatrain uh, before we move on. 
As winter moon rose clear above his ranch, a trembling fellow did peruse the chans. But long had logic frozen on the branch, and soy boy Travis wept into his hands. I don't like this one as much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do some Nostradamus proofs. Um, first up, the death of French King Henry II. Nostradamus supposedly predicted it in this passage. The young lion will overcome the older one. On the field of combat in a single battle, he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage. Two wounds made one, then he dies a cruel death. So, during a joust, the Count of Montgomery accidentally killed Henry with his lance, which broke through the king's visor, causing him to be horribly wounded by the lance splintered, which penetrated his eye, temple, and throat, which in turn made him bleed profusely and experience seizures, partial paralysis, and eventually, 11 days later, death. The poetry matches what happened quite accurately, so this might have been a decent proof, had it not been for the fact that the prophecy was only printed in 1614, 58 years after Nostradamus died, calling into question whether he wrote it at all. It's very possible that somebody purposefully wrote the verses to match the event. Mm. Now, another beautiful quatrain. Julian asked Hassan to add him in a tweet, in desperation for a follower. He even said he'd suck his feet, but afterwards felt hollower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another Nostradamus proof is about Ben Shapiro's favorite baby, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Here are the lines people have claimed predicted his rise. From the depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the east. And another quatrain, beasts ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers. The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. Into a cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the child of Germany observes nothing. So one of my favorite elements here is that Enanon supporters claim that the word hister was a misspelling of Hitler. Misspellings matter! <laughs> Unfortunately, hister is actually just the Latin word for Danube, which is just a very pretty river in Europe, uh, which I'm probably mispronouncing. So, okay, what about some of these other claims? Well, Hitler wasn't, quote, born of poor people. He was middle class. He did, however, quote, by his tongue, seduce a great troop when he sucked off the General de Gaulle and made him sign over France. Uh, then again, that amazing video might be a deep fake. It is true that Hitler was pretty good at riling up the populace, so I suppose this vaguely checks out, although I'm confused how, quote, his fame will increase towards the realm of the East signifies actual invasion, and I'm pretty sure Hitler got famous to the West as well. Also, I suppose if you like to really bake the hell out of these crumbs, you could say that the, quote, cage of iron can refer to the two-front war Hitler got into, or perhaps Berlin as Hitler retreated into his bunker. I don't know. I'm just trying to satisfy Jake here. Not satisfied. Also, I suppose the line, quote, when the child of Germany observes nothing could refer to Hitler being temporarily blinded by mustard gas during World War One. Oh, that's a good one. Shit, right? yeah. You're welcome. I baked that. Or the fact that Hitler got blinded by ambition and bloodlust. Also not bad. Fuck me. Uh, Travis, as the arbiter of logic here, can we just say Nostradamus was 100% correct and move on? Oh, yeah. I, I'm red-pilled on and on. <laughs> nice. But did Nostradamus predict the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? That would be fucking lit. Here is one of the quatrains. Near the gates and within two cities, there will be scourges the like of which was never seen. Famine within plague, people put out by steel, crying to the great immortal god for relief. So in this case, the bakers think, quote, within two cities refers to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Crying to great immortal god for relief is a reference to the radiation poisoning in the aftermath. And, quote, famine within plague refers to the food shortage Japan went through during that period. 
Now, this is a perfect example of taking information out of context, slapping it onto a JPEG, and then drawing red lines around it. Uh, the poem goes on to make it clear that Nostradamus is talking about a war involving Muslims and Habsburgs, one of which wasn't much involved, and the other uh, is an Austrian family of monarchs that went extinct in 1740. Huh. But that's not the only Nostradamus stanza that Baker's claim predicted the bombs. Here's another. There will be unleashed live fire, hidden death, horrible and frightful within the globes. By night the city reduced to dust by the fleet, the city of fire, the enemy amenable. Unfortunately, once again, this was taken out of context. The next few lines mention the Muslims and the Habsburgs again, and describe the destruction as occurring in Italy, not Japan. Oh well, it's a shame because, quote, hidden death, horrible and frightful within the globes, sounds like a cool scene from Akira. Then again, quote, by night the city reduced to dust by the fleet, doesn't quite fit, uh, but the Japanese did become, quote, amenable after the bombs. Uh, but in this case, quote, city is singular, and once again, Italy is mentioned immediately afterwards in the poem. You won't see that on an Enanon Baker website, though, as they have a visceral distaste for context and a terminal case of cherry picking. Hey, who doesn't love a good cherry? So, what about the assassination of the sweetest cherry of them all, John F. Kennedy and his other sweet cherry, Bobby Kennedy? Well, Nostradamus said it first. The great man will be struck down in the day by thunderbolt, an evil deed foretold by the bearer of a petition. According to the prediction, another falls at nighttime. Conflicts at Reims, London, and a pestilence in Tuscany. I fucking love this, because Michel is saying, quote, according to the prediction, which I think is his era's version of referring to oneself in third person. Anyways, in this case, the bakers think that the, quote, great man is JFK, the, quote, evil deed foretold by the bearer of a petition refers to the assassination and death threats president received in the prelude. The, quote, thunderbolt is the bullet, I guess, and, um, quote, another falls at nighttime refers to Bobby Kennedy being killed after midnight. This one is a mess, because even within the four lines, things start breaking down. The entire last line does not fit at all. Conflicts at Reims, London, and a pestilence in Tuscany. Damn. It's almost as if Nostradamus was making cool stories up based on the types of conflicts he had already studied or observed. I mean, Reims is barely on the geopolitical map by the time JFK is born, and I'm pretty sure there was no plague in Tuscany. Considering Michel lost his whole first family to the plague, I think it's more likely he threw that in because massive outbreaks were common in Western Europe at the time. But what about 9-11? Surely the great Nostradamus predicted that, you yell at me in your underwear, standing on the roof of my home, drenched, holding an antenna to the sky. <laughs> Let's take a look. Earth-shaking fire from the center of the earth will cause tremors around the new city. Two great rocks will war for a long time. Then Arethusa will redden a new river. So, quick, uh, quick decode, the two rocks are the Twin Tower, the new city is New York City, and um, shit, that's it. But uh, what about the earth-shaking fire uh, from the center of the earth, which is a bit of a repeat, I'd have to say, as a writer? Doesn't quite line up. Sounds more like an earthquake or a volcano to me. Uh, also, when Michel mentions the two rocks, he says they will war for a long time, which leads me to believe he meant two factions warring with one another and not two buildings. Finally, he writes, Arethusa will redden a new river. Who is Arethusa? Well, uh, she was a nymph from Greek mythology who took a bath in a river. Little did she know, the stream was actually Alpheus, the river god, who immediately got horny as hell and claimed he was in love with her. Because he was a horrible rapist, he chased the non-consenting Arethusa until she sweated so much from fear that she turned into a stream herself. She could then travel under the ocean to... 
oh, who gives a shit? The point is, this has fuck all to do with 9-11, and Nostradamus was just a mediocre poet, just like Q is a mediocre Tom Clancy ripoff, and they're both grifters and shit posters preying on people during a time of uncertainty and fear. And that's it. I mean, I could have done more, but you get the point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny for all of the sort of cultural significance attributed to Nostradamus. Like how really like shitty his predictions kind of are. Like he just got he got bad reviews on that book at the time. Like he he he's just a poet. Like he yeah. just wrote poetry. So what I I I wonder what is the because over time people have obviously like I've I known about Nostradamus and him being like you know this great prophet ever since I was a little kid. I yeah. mean, what force sort of propelled him into this kind of like popular culture, Bakers. like iconic role? Bakers, dude. In the 1600s, uh, Bakers took control of like all that fucking text and started fucking drawing red lines and oh. circles and connecting them and writing their little you know scr- uh, JPEGs on scrolls. You know, yeah. they're all then, subgriffs of the main grift, right? Yeah. yeah. Same thing we got going on now. So he, they're, they're the praying medics of the world, basically. We're just sort yeah, of. Yeah. Like, I mean, at the time, I don't think he was trying to sell himself as a crazy prophet. He played a prophet game, mostly mm. because he was an astrologer for very rich people. Gotcha. I mean, he's the equivalent of, you know, when you go and see like an astrologer to like find out what's next for you in life, except that he was doing it to the queen of France at the time, uh, who was incredibly wealthy. So, you know, she did disseminate a lot of his stuff and, you know, it it does help to know the queen. Of course, and people want to imitate the sort of the the wealthy people. And so they, so they, that, uh, you know, that lends it credence and they think that, well, you know, if the queen takes this seriously, you know, it's almost the the way that they, the way these Q proofs try to link Q directly to Trump. Sometimes, sometimes they'll say that, you know, Trump at rallies, he will, um, uh, make a Q sign with his hands, like he'll swirl his finger around yeah. in the shape of a Q. Yeah, and the, it almost feels like, oh, by being close to Q, that means I'm close to Trump. You know, well, everyone wants to be close yeah. to that arthritic finger that's just kind of wiggling right, in the air. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you you actually bring up a really good point is that they it, it's like they they want him to be their dad. Oh yeah, you, you know it's like. Um, it's just all the other stuff kind of doesn't matter that, you know, is as long as they feel close to this guy. I mean, shit, dude, they love Trump more than I've loved any right. Democratic. He's the first president candidate. that doesn't feel like he's talking down to them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying he isn't. Yeah. I'm saying they don't feel they don't he feel is. like he is. And that's a very, very big thing before that, no matter what left or right. Yeah. All the people they're accusing of being part of the deep state are like highly educated elites. And yeah, Trump. Right is that but he's also so fucking dumb that he has undone his wealth and somehow become an everyman in a way like yeah. he's a man who will stand before hamburgers and can't even say which one he likes better like he yeah yeah it's funny it's like people is like there's something like like handy and shit says about trump they call him like a blue collar billionaire but he is kind of like that because he does have all of these sort of these resentments and sort of like the, this sort of uh uh you know, more a sort of simple way of speaking that just resonates with he, he people. Show, he yeah. shows all the signs of being badly educated and being badly educated, at least in the way that we conceive of education. Most most people, I think, that that are part of like his, you know, really like the the core of his supporters. I think they're very Christian for them. Education is, you know, reading the Bible, like figuring yeah. out like the meaning of the earth, um, of, uh, of the history of the earth, like through that lens. When when Trump talks it sounds like he's never been educated right and they they love that they 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 think like oh finally someone who hasn't been brainwashed 
by this thing, which yeah. to them feels alien, even though to most people in the world, they just see it as an education system. Yeah. Correct. I think also that, you know, him having an entire career of, you know, talking with builders and dealing with real estate and, mm. and casinos, I think he is very well versed in talking to blue collar, you know, talking He's, to the yeah. blue collar. He spent his whole life I mean, fucking them over. Yeah, exactly. And so... Please it, fuck me over, Daddy Trump. Yeah. Please take all of... Please crush my small company and make us work for three years and then don't pay us. Please. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. King Grifter. And they all think of themselves as like the kind of upstart grifter that could one day be like trump right instead right. of the grifter that would be taken advantage of by trump because yeah. he's manipulating them in a million different ways i think it's a, this is a Patton oswalt joke uh, but, but he's sort of like a hobo's idea of what a billionaire is right you know, where it's yeah. like where it's like it's like i'm gonna have a golden bathroom and marry eastern european supermodels you know? yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, so so a lot of people i think trump's like, a simple man you know yeah, he right. wants simple he actually things. is he, simple like, in, in i think the, yeah, he wants he he's like I, I want the gold bathroom and when you listen to him talk and um like you listen to his book which I which I read um Art of the Deal he talks like that I mean he is yeah. nothing more than what he presents himself yeah, I think, as I think he's a perfect example uh, of of a sociopath with quite low intelligence who was given all the resources in the world and that creates um the ability to do what he did. And yeah. guess what? He's in a country where, like, at no point does that trip him up. Yeah. Those those things combined make it totally fine. Yeah, yeah and I think he's a bit of a bully, you know, because when you, when you come up with that kind of wealth uh, and, and backing behind you, there's a certain level of confidence with, you know, that comes along with that, I would imagine. I could be wrong. I mean, he has literally spent his life beating people, raping people, grabbing whatever he wants. Like, he has a long history of being incredibly abusive to women. Um, both both in terms of like physical violence and also sexual assault stuff, yeah, he he's used to taking whatever he wants, and in this country, like in a way, that's seen as yeah. confidence. Uh, well, you know, this kind of psychotic inability to find compassion or to see other people as anything except tools. What's so funny, and I think what really is like the uh, you know, like the grand the grand sort of like debacle of 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 Trump. I'm not using that word correctly, but whatever. Um, is that the one thing that he probably didn't want the presidency he got. Yeah. You know, I, he's a guy who's used to getting everything he wants and taking and, and everything that Julian just said. He very quickly realized this is going to give me such a huge platform. And if I'm, I manage to create a core base, even if it doesn't get me the next election, yeah. I will... I mean, can you imagine oh the Trump TV that's going to oh, start after oh, after he's yeah. done? He's oh. going to start his own fucking channel, like network. Oh, definitely. He will, yeah, he will continue to be the most famous man in the world after he leaves office. Probably more famous than anyone. Who Even more, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, his followers yeah. will continue. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he has. That's one thing that I think the the GOP has underestimated is just how much this guy has eclipsed them, and oh, yeah, just yeah. just how much when he's not in the GOP. The GOP is going to suffer really badly. Yeah, you cannot go back to a Romney after after having a Trump. No, I mean, no. why why would you? Why That's, would you? Like, why would you try to eat a piece of cardboard after you've had a fantastic hamburger? Yeah, yeah. yeah the next uh, yeah GOP primary debate will be at like the Trump Hotel in Las Vegas. Hell's yeah, and yeah. It'll be, be a, just a giant statue of Trump, and they'll all try yeah. to approve how uh, Trump like they are. It'll That's be auction be. style, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. like people can bid on like <laughs> how much people's words are worth or whatever. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for tuning in for another week of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on our podcast. We are supported entirely by our listeners. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous. If you pay $5 a month, you'll get access to our premium episodes and give the show a chance to grow and put out even more stuff. Our goal is to put out high-quality content consistently and remain fiercely independent. When you subscribe to our Patreon, you contribute to making this a reality. Thank you to our new $5 contributors. Dylan B., Matt G., Joel T.H., Dean R., Simon G.G., Dan E., Jamie, Mike, Robert D., James G.M., Karen B., Stephen F., Karen G., Paige L., Cameron O., Mindharp of Poo Poo, <laughs> Joseph L., Adam A., Nicole P., Megan M., Gary J., Art V., Leech E., Soctavius, Wayne A., Jeremy, Noah W., and Megan M. And a big thank you to our $10 contributors, Allison L., Adam W., Drew M., Eric O., Joel D., John S., Josh R., Owen H., Robert B., and the inimitable Sabir. And a massive, massive thank you to our $20 contributors, Chris T., Joel T.H., Luke B., thanks for upping your subscription, Luke. We love you. And the unforgettable Susie R. Um, By the way, uh, we still owe two of you um, the little uh, audio recordings that we're making for you to thank you. Uh, So those will be going out soon. If you can't afford to support us financially, you can always help by telling friends about us, posting about us on social media and message boards, etc. If you haven't already, go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. We also have a Discord channel, which is just a place to chat and share stuff. Lots of intelligent, compassionate, and funny people there. If you want to pop in, go to our Twitter and either DM us or find the Discord tweet. I'm sorry that the invites are a little more complicated for Discord. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow each and every one of us there. My handle is at Julian Field, F-E-E-L-D. Jake's is at Real Rockatansky. And, well, everyone knows, at Travis underscore view is this year's hardbod hot dad account to follow. Thank you. <laughs> the podcast Twitter handle is at QAnon Anonymous. It is secretly run by me, Julian. Uh, several people have accused Travis of using that account to answer to himself. Right. Uh, that is that is low, Travis, that you would do that. Yeah, uh, big ego. I can't believe you're doing both of our voices right now on the podcast. <laughs> Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy. Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs>